This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. If you're fly fishing for trout in North America, there are three main seasons, spring, summer, and fall. Now, if you're crazy, there are four because you can add winter. I've caught trout in Montana every month of the year, but when it comes to prime seasons, there are only three. Today, we're focusing on spring, mid-March to mid-June. If you're new to fly fishing, there are some realities you have to understand about spring fly fishing if you're planning a trip. That's right, Steve. Spring is a great time to catch some really nice fish. And as long as you understand what's different about this season um, than other seasons, I think you'll have a terrific experience. So what do we need to know, Dave? What's different? Well, I think the first thing, if you're fishing in the West, is that spring runoff will shut down the Freestone Rivers uh, sometime in late April, uh, early May. And it's really important if you've never fished the West and you don't understand that, and yet perhaps you've heard about fishing the spawners in the West, um, there is a window of time that if you miss or you come too late, you'll end up trying to fish really muddy waters. Yeah, if the weather gets warm, the, the snow starts to melt in the mountains and that makes its way down into the rivers and you know it's it starts flowing chocolate milk. And it blows it out. So beware of booking a trip in late April and in May. I think uh, I would just avoid it at all costs. I think if you're going to book a trip, you should do it sometime the late March to mid-April. Yeah, that's a really good window. Uh, when I lived in Montana, I had people who would ask about coming out to fish the Mother's Day caddis hatch on the Yellowstone or, or on the Madison, and really that's hit or miss. In, in all the years I lived there, I don't think the Yellowstone was ever fishable on Mother's Day. Uh, sometimes the caddis hatch would hit right at the end of April and the weather would hold off, and, and I remember having some great days but uh, that's it's pretty tough to try to hit that right I remember one of the pictures you have of uh, fishing the Mother's Day caddis hatch. I think you are on the Yellowstone at that point. Or did you actually give that photo to me and it's someone else? <laughs> <laughs> no, I uh, I hit that a few times and, and it was great. I, I had one day out there, Dave, where it was so windy that I, I was standing right right along the, the river's edge and there was a cliff kind of above me. So I really couldn't move anywhere. So I, I just stood there and I closed my eyes and I hooked my uh, you know the fly under the little fly hook ahead of my uh, you know ahead of my grip on my my rod handle and and I, I just kind of waited out the winds blowing all of a sudden my rod jerked and I thought you know the wind had taken it and I I looked down and there's a fish <laughs> Got a fish on. Well, the the wind had uh, dis, you know had blown my fly off the hook, and it's it's there dangling over the water, and a fish took it. So, it, it is good. But wow, I, I'd say you know two out of three years I was there, uh, and and all poised and ready to get over the Yellowstone. Uh, the river had blown out by then. So spring creeks throughout the west and the east are fishable because their watershed is under the ground, and so it doesn't mean that they don't get muddy, uh, but it does mean that most 
likely their their water flow is is uh, more even and you'll have some great fishing in the spring right so that could be the exception if you want to go out west and you're planning on fishing spring creeks which you're going to have to pay for you know there's a rod fee to get on nelson's or Depew's what is or it Armstrong's. what is it now do you know you know i haven't looked at it it's probably I mean, there's there's different times. Prime time, prime season hits. I think mid-April, and you're looking at seventy-five to a hundred dollars a day. You know, rod fee on on some of those. Uh, spring how how early do you have to book a you know a trip like that? You know, it depends. I, I'm not sure. When I lived there, I I kind of had friends who had access, and so I would just uh, you know kind of uh, you know ride the shirt tails of my friends <laughs> to get on. But I hate guys like you. Uh, Hi, man. You well, always have a friend who has a friend who, you know, although actually I like fishing with you because then I get on some great rivers. Yeah, I, I need more friends like that. <laughs> <laughs> but it, you do have to know uh, what you're doing on those uh you know those western spring creeks and uh, some of it can be kind of technical fishing i would always find places where there are actually riffles and i would do okay but you know that the real pros are out there in the glassy surface but that is hard fishing yeah. well that's a great point spring runoff will shut down those freestone rivers in the west Here, here's something else to consider uh, the rainbows are spawning in the west so you have the opportunity to catch some nice fish now that brings up a point uh, make sure to stay off the reds and for those of you who are new the reds are the gravel beds where rainbows hang out when they're spawning uh dave you and i've had some great success haven't we on the madison uh, we fished this one run like a steelhead run and yeah. it's i would say it's probably 50 yards 75 yards yeah maybe 75 yards and uh, we just rotate through mm-hmm. and um and we've had some days Actually, they're not days. We've had like two-hour stretches where it has just been so fabulous the oh, fish yeah. are fat they're colorful they fight and but you do have to be really careful not to step on the reds just like you do not walk into a run um, even more so is it important that you don't step on the reds and disturb their spawning beds right because that's where the the eggs are you, you don't want to uh, you know kick those up with your your feet so we're, we're always very conscious and very careful but if, if you're careful there are some great spots where you can fish there was also that great rainbow that you caught between hebgen and quake lake do you remember that that was yeah, the day that i right. i left my fly fishing rod on the top of your truck <laughs> yeah that's right and drove off with yes. it oh. it's always miserable to have to buy a rod in the middle of a, an expensive trip i still already. think you did that <laughs> in purpose though so you could buy a better rod <laughs> actually i did do an upgrade and of course what's so nice about when you have to buy a rod or something expensive in the middle of a of a fly fishing trip you don't have to explain as much to your spouse right because it's just one big expense and it can kind of get lost in there absolutely that's right (laughs) although you know the difference between maybe five hundred dollars and twenty five hundred dollars or five hundred dollars and fifty is a big swing but it's always nice to be able to hide that rod within a larger trip yep very true of course if you're fishing rainbows uh, that are not native and you're fishing in spring creeks in the east or in uh in the midwest where steve and i fish in the driftless they're probably 
probably not native. Well, for sure they're not native. Trout that are introduced uh, have a really difficult time reproducing if they're introduced where there are other wild trout that already have uh, a footprint in the in the stream. So um, if the rainbows are stocked, uh, typically they are not re- reproducing and are not spawning. I'm glad you mentioned that. I I take that for granted, having lived so many years in Montana. I think I got spoiled by uh, just every river, every stream you fished. It was all uh, native population. Well, native with an asterisk. I mean, somewhere back in the late 1800s or 1900s, somebody introduced the rainbows, the rainbows, or, or even the browns. But but point is, they've been uh, self-perpetuating uh, population since that time. So if you want spawners you'll have to wait in until the fall for the brook trout or the in the browns so um, if you're fishing in in spring creeks without uh, a native rainbow population absolutely one other thing and you do this really well steve is is the importance of handling spawners with care obviously we're always working to handle our fish with care get them in quickly uh leave them in the water as much as possible um try not to you know disturb them at all or as little as possible but it's really true with spawners yeah it really is and uh, we we want to do everything we can to be responsible if you're going to fish in the spring when the rainbows are spawning you you need to take extra measure of of uh, care for those fish Uh, what else Dave? what else do we need to know about the spring i think with spring fishing you can't miss with nymphing right and there will be some dry fly action and you and i have seen that um you know all of a sudden there'll be this you know the skies will cloud over and and you know sometimes even in snow and all of a sudden you see a midge hatch or even a blue winged olive mm-hmm. hatch on the water and you know those are really wonderful times but i think for me nymphing in the spring is where i've had the most success you know my favorite patterns tend to be you know my top flies a 14 number 14 bead head prints or a hair's ear oh, or, those are great or some egg pattern as yeah. well mm-hmm. and then drop a you know a san juan worm or even a smaller number 18 copper john or pheasant tail so yeah. some combination thereof you know with a, an attractor like a bead head and then a dropper with something tiny yeah that's good to know because i i love dry fly fishing and it took me a, a long time to learn that 85 percent of a trout's diet is is from underneath the surface and so uh, even when you would like to be drifting a dry fly uh, you can't go wrong with nymphing. Just recently, I was fishing in Minnesota and really caught a nice brown. So I used a strike indicator and then had the woolly bugger and then the San Juan. The brown hit the San Juan and it was a really nice brown. I also caught a couple other that day, but uh, it was actually pretty tough fishing. But it was really enjoyable fishing, and um, they were not. There was nothing rising. You know, we've said this before, but uh, always make good use of your local fly shop because. Uh, these standard nymphs that Dave talked about, I mean, they're, they're gold almost all the time. But once in a while, you'll find that a particular pattern works uh, really well. Uh, I've had success on the Yellowstone in April with a, a red fox squirrel nymph. A friend of ours 
named Bob Granger uh, really got me onto that, and I actually tied a few of those, and I just love the the action of that uh, of that red fox squirrel uh, hair, you know, in the water. And I, I remember one uh, April on the Yellowstone when I I caught a couple of uh, 16-inch rainbows in a in in about half hour, just gorgeous fish, and and I, I was really hoping that day that the caddis hatch would start. It was a little bit before that, but boy, they were really hitting those uh, uh, those red fox squirrel nymphs. Uh, another fly that I I really like is uh, is a Dave's emerger. It was developed by uh, Dave Corcoran. He was uh, former owner of the River's Edge in Bozeman. And I've used that on a, as a dropper on the Madison. It's, in some ways, it's like a red copper john. I mean, that's another go-to fly for me. But uh, what it does is it, it uses the red copper wire, but then it has these wood duck feathers as wings and as a tail. And my hunch, and I've, I've had other guides tell me this too, is that sometimes, you know, just changing the look a little bit. I mean, after seeing, you know, the 100th red copper john, you might have a fish kind of go, yeah. But that Dave's Emerger drifts by, and, and it looks, uh, it, yeah, they're just not used to it. And so they, they may be interested. You know, a fly that I've seen used in the Wisconsin Driftless is this orange scud. Oh, yeah. And I've yeah. never had success with it as, as many times as I've tried it. But, you know, some people swear by it. Yeah. And, um, but it's, again, one of those more local flies that is used and works well in that specific setting. Yeah, that's right. Well, here's one more uh, tip if you're going out to uh, fly fish in the spring, whether it's in Wisconsin or or out in Montana or maybe even up in the Adirondacks. Uh, snow uh, in Montana and Wisconsin can move in quickly, and so can uh, wind and sometimes heat. Uh, the temperature does go off uh, a cliff at dusk, even in, in both places. So uh, you, you really have to be aware of that and, and prepare for for it when you're packing your uh, your clothing. Years ago, you and I were so anxious to get out in the spring. I think we went out the first weekend of March uh, in Wisconsin, and we went to the Green River. Yeah, that's right. And we've got this great bed and breakfast place right down in the valley where we were fishing near the Green River. We got there and saw on the forecast that it was supposed to get a foot of snow or a foot foot and a half of snow. And we thought, well, we'll wait it out. I think we actually fished one afternoon or maybe a couple hours. Just a little, just an hour or so. And then we went back to the, yeah, to the cabin. And then the snow started to fall. And we realized, okay, we're not even going to get out of this valley for a couple days if we don't get out of here. (laughs) So we packed up and took and went home. And uh, the best part of that weekend, again, was what? Yeah, it was the food. The food. <laughs> yeah, I think we ate at a Texas Roadhouse on the way home and had a good piece of prime rib. Yeah, so. I think that was the highlight of that oh, trip. man. Well, for uh, clothing, uh, what do you need there, Dave? What do you recommend? I think always in the spring you need to take along layers. Uh, that may seem obvious, but it's really true in the spring. Um, I often will not dress warm enough just uh, recently, when I went to Minnesota several weeks ago, it was probably the last week of February, so I'm not sure that is spring, but it was a really gorgeous day. It ended up being about 40, 45 degrees, and I decided not to wear as many layers. And so, you know, when I got out of the truck and started fishing, I was fine. Boy, late afternoon, I was probably two miles from the truck, and we had hiked uh, back into this yeah. national, it wasn't a national park, it was a state park. Mm-hmm. 
And by the time I got back to the truck, I was really, really cold. It, we'd fished until dark and past dark 30 to use the uh, wonderful right. phrase. It's really important to, to really make sure you have the right layers, enough layers, and that you're ready for the squall that moves in, you know, the temp drop that happens, uh, anything like that in the spring season. Yeah, that's all great advice, Dave. Hey, do you remember that time we were in Bozeman and we had to wait out that snowstorm? Yeah, that's right. It, it just dumped on us, and we uh, we were. I think we were in the library trying to get online so we could do a little bit of work, and then I think things broke that afternoon. And I remember we went back to uh, the Yellowstone and in, in Livingston and fished a little bit. But yeah, that was quite a storm, wasn't that it? That reminded me that we need to have more options uh, when we're doing a trip for four or five days yep. so that when you do get some uh, weather that moves in and changes your plans, you yeah, have some really options. Does. Yeah, because some places aren't as accessible even to drive to, uh, let alone to walk into. Well, it's time now for great stuff from our listeners. We really enjoy reading your comments, your questions, and your stories. Today's item comes from Michael Wiley. He is a fly fisher who lives in northern New Mexico. Uh, he's got before and this is what he writes he says sunscreens and insect repellent the chemical makeup of both of these can and will destroy your leader your tippet and many other things not related to fly fishing DEET being the primary active agent in insect repellents will dissolve leaders and tippet sunscreen can do the same Apply these in the back of your hand and not your palm or fingers. Rig your rod first and then dress accordingly. Uh, yeah, that, that's great advice. Yeah, that's super. Michael goes on and says, now apply your protection. When it's hot and sweat beads up on your forehead, if you wipe it off using the face of your hand, you do not want to be handling your line without washing first. Carry hand cleaning soaps and foil packs. Grab a few when out eating crab or lobster at your restaurant. These are really good. Carry waterless hand cleaner in small travel sizes. Boy, there's all the more reason to go eat crab and lobster, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but that's good stuff. Boy, that is just terrific advice. There yeah. is so much great advice on both our Facebook page and in the uh, the comments section uh, on our website, Two Guys in a River. Yeah, thanks for posting that, Michael. Just yesterday, I received a question from a newbie fly fisher via uh, our Twitter feed. Uh, he was surprised at the catch and release mindset of fly fishers. So this guy had fished traditionally bass, walleye, crappie his mm -hmm. whole life and had started to get into fly fishing and he was a bit confused yeah. that you know the whole mindset is about conservation right. that the streams are a limited resource i just thought that was a great yeah, question a really really great question yeah i love those questions keep them coming well, that'll do it for today. What insights do you have for spring fly fishing? Please tell us by going to twoguysinariver.com and commenting on this podcast link. What advice do you have for fly fishers who want to catch trout in the spring? You can find Two Guys in a River on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, even LinkedIn. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast feed on your mobile phone or tablet. Each week, we publish a new episode of the podcast and a new article. Many of our listeners listen to our podcast using the app called Podcasts as their mobile app, and you can find that in your app store. Well, thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing.